You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio. Soul care is a really, really important facet of Mornings with Kelly and Steve. And Whitney Pipkin is joining us now because we're going to take on the tough topic of grief and loss of a loved one and how Jesus can sustain us. Good morning to you, Whitney. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for having me. You know, I had gotten this book, and I because we get them in advance, and this is something that is so difficult for people to walk through. Regardless of the circumstance, the death of a loved one is never easy. But when walking that out through a cancer journey with someone, it is all the more difficult because each day we know where this is potentially going to head unless we have a firm diagnosis but there is just a lot of disparity in facing that challenge and this is one that you would walk through yourself tell us a little bit about your story my mom was diagnosed with cancer when i was in the seventh grade and so really over the next 20 years it was kind of the backdrop to my life my sister's life kind of something we were dealing with but maybe not always on the front burner. And near the end, it became, you know, really a constant battle for her as my sister and I started to have kids. And it was something that we were kind of running from in seasons, ignoring, just functioning over the marathon of that. But near the end, I, you know, came to face it and saw that this thing I'd been so scared of was actually, as Psalm 23 tells us, a place of God's nearness and presence, that there's a particular way that Christ is with us in suffering and in death, and that we can, as Philippians says, we can know him and the power of his resurrection. We can share or fellowship in his sufferings in a very unique way in these in these circumstances, but only if we show up for them and really fully face what's going on. Well, you know, this is really important because we don't really have a point of reference in our life for these types of situations until they come into our life. And our culture, you say, does a really poor job of helping us to face death, even our Christian culture. But how do you reconcile that? You know, you make that case, but why do you think it is that we are culturally not prepared, and especially even in our churches, not really prepared to deal with these types of circumstances? I think we easily pick up from the culture kind of a misplaced uh, goal of victory. So our a lot of times with cancer especially, our goal or our hope, our the thing we're praying for is for healing. And when that goal comes and goes, and it becomes clear that you're at that pivot point of, okay, how can God still be good if He doesn't answer that prayer or answers the prayer for healing on the other side of eternity, and this loved one goes through death to reach resurrection? So that's, I think, the pivot point that a lot of Christians miss out. That's where we fade back and we don't know what to say anymore. But when we can recall that we follow a Savior who went through death also, that Christ you know, said, Lord, let this cup be taken from me, and yet not my will but yours be done. So we have hope not in avoiding death, but in going through it into resurrection. And that is the Savior we follow, and that is the, the hope that we can cling to even as death becomes a certainty and a reality for our loved ones. And it's a hope we can try on 
with our loved ones as, before we walk through the waters ourselves. So I think that was also part of God's design to allow us and equip us to go through it with others so that we can be better equipped to find hope in our own end of our own lives someday. Well, you use the word there, clinging to that hope, but when we're walking through these types of things, we cling to our own mortality. We cling to this temporal life. That's the greatest fear, is the ending of this, but yet Scripture tells us we are not just made for this, this temporal life. We are to enter into an eternity. We, Our spirit will move on, although our body, the temple, as you reference in the book, it's it's kind of this struggle to connect with why is God tearing down the temple here in this temporal life, but yet we have to cling to life, those who are watching that experience of death. What do you yeah, think? I, I've, in the book, I walked through kind of a brief theology of death, and so using the meta-narrative of Scripture, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, and that helps us have these buckets for what we're feeling. So we don't want to die because we were initially made to not die. Before the fall, we were made to live forever with God in perfect communion. And so we can we have a reason that we have this natural there's a reason that humans thrown in the water will not drown. We will thrash and thrive against death. And there's also a reason that death came because of the fall. And in Christ we have a redemption narrative to hook our hope into. And in the consummation, we know that that hope may not be fully satisfied in this life, that it may be through death that we reach the life and the body that we were made for initially, and that that one day hope will be better than it would have been. You know, God is not surprised by that story that's unfolding in Scripture, and His best is yet to come. But we, I I don't know, somehow His design, despite sin, despite death, is that we would know Him in death and that we would know a sweet, unique fellowship with Him that somehow prepares us for that glory to come. There's there's some reason, Steve, that this design that we go through death and we don't just get snatched up once we believe, but we walk through death to be made ready for glory. Well, you know, Whitney, I'm glad you mentioned that because what you had said there kind of reminds me of part of um, the eulogy that Jonathan Edwards, son of Tony, uh, Jonathan Evans, son of Tony Evans, mm-hmm. gave at the loss of his mother who passed from cancer. And he read a letter in which he was saying he was so angry at God. And he was praying in such a way where he was saying, God, you missed the opportunity to heal my mom. You missed the opportunity to glorify yourself before an entire congregation and a community of believers. And he was really angry. And then he said, you know, as time passed on, he said, the Lord responded to me and said, what makes you think I didn't heal your mother? What makes you think that I'm not being glorified right now? And that she is not being glorified right now. And so it really turns, you know, that whole comment there turns our mind from, yes, this temporal, the things that we cling to that we want in this life, and then recognize God has such a greater, larger plan. But I think of that, as he had mentioned about his mother, you too, you are a woman, you are a mother, you are a wife. Tell me, how did this affect you in those roles as you walk this out? 
Yeah, I think it's it's really scary to be that full human. <laughs> we really want to control and display the emotions we want when we want. And that was one of the most difficult parts of my mom dying at age 63 when I was age 33. And my kids were super young. My youngest was four months, five months old. And I really wanted to get through grief and become fun mom again. That was like this goal in my head. I will have arrived once I can dance in the kitchen again. Um, and it felt cruel to go through this at this time. And yet looking back, I've seen how God has used this thing that, you know, in my dedication, I say uh, to the woman who always knew I could do hard things, but never wanted me to have to. And uh, I feel the same for my kids. I don't want them to not have their grandma here. I want that for them. I don't want them to know what it is to lose someone they love at this young age. And yet I trust that the God who is using it in my life is going to use it in theirs and that he has a sanctification that he's working in their lives as well. So letting those emotions come, being a full human to my kids is something I'm trusting. I'll let you know in the future how how it works out, um, yeah. but that I'm trusting God is at work in, in their lives too and that he's grown empathy in them. He's grown maturity in them. That's really more than you see in a lot of adults in some ways because they've learned what it is to comfort and to be sad and and then happy and you know go back and forth very easily well how did god finally meet you in the midst of all this suffering because there is so much packed into this story there are trials of all kinds that you were experiencing going through that where was it that you met him and the peace uh in the midst of your suffering mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just reading Job 16 this morning, which is not a habit, but it's where I am in my Bible plan. <laughs> and I'm not, not like always living in this place. Uh, but Job is saying, you know, my friends are sorry comforters. And I, he begs God for an advocate. And uh, we know, as we're looking back on that point in Bible history, that God has given us an advocate in Christ. And there were times in my own story, when when you lose someone, like your sister doesn't have the same experience, your husband doesn't, it's unique to you. And yet, Christ knew what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. He is the only one who chose to come in to this flesh and to put on all of the trappings of that, including death and loss, all the vulnerabilities of being human. And there was a, a knowing of him in my suffering that was unlike anything I had experienced. Um, just his, his presence, this feeling of being held and that being enough of not having to perform for God when I knew I couldn't, I couldn't conjure the things I wanted to, couldn't produce the way I wanted to, and yet I could rely on Christ's finished work in that moment and also his understanding of what I was feeling as a human. Uh, you know, Hebrews talks about us having this, this advocate who understands, a, pre, a high priest who understands what it's like to be human. And that really came alive in my, in my loss and in facing death, knowing that I had a Savior who has literally faced death and that he is on the other side of that and yet sits with me and weeps with me and that that's enough. Well, one of those experiences that you went through, you write that it basically challenged you to have the faith of Abraham having to do with your young daughter, Cora. Can mm. you share a little bit about that? Yeah, she had a major abdominal surgery right after her sixth birthday. And, uh, you know, <laughs> It was like seven hours. It was this long surgery, and you have no control. And you're sitting there going, 
I'm not holding the knife over her, but someone is, and it's for her good. And yet I had this sense of, I have to trust God that, you know, Abraham somehow imagined God's faithfulness. Romans tells us he imagined somehow that God could even raise his son from the dead. And that's, I think, what a lot of us are missing in our suffering is this imagining of God's goodness. We spend so much time imagining, uh, you know, our worst fears and, and meditating on our worst fears. But what if we said, you know, that even if from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what if we said, even if this happens, I'm imagining how God could be good. I'm imagining how he could use even this for his glory and for my good in these circumstances. Well, I tell you, some of the advice that your mom gave to you in walking that Mm. out, I'm going to just grab for myself because all too many of us need to remember that we need to just let it be for now when we feel overwhelmed. It's okay to have permission to sit in our grief and experience that emotion. And that is something that we in the church don't do very often. We're not comfortable with the the topic of death or grief. And so we kind of want to just run away from it. But that was some very sound words from her. And I'm just so grateful because, like I said, I'm stealing that for myself. But let me ask you, you know, for those who might be listening, I know that there are people who are walking this out right now. What encouragement would you offer to them in prayer? How should they maybe turn to the Lord? What are some of the things that they need to lay down? Hmm. When in doubt, just borrow the Psalms. We have in the Psalms permission to lament, permission to bring all of our hopes to God and hold His character in the other hand, and to say sometimes, Lord, I don't know how your goodness in this circumstance fits together. This does not feel good. And yet I'm coming to you. You know, the disciples said, where else can I go? You have the words of life. And so we come to God with all of our grief, all of our hope, and we trust that somehow it will work out for, for good. And we, we put that victory, that, uh, the end of that race in eternity. We may not see it now, but we, we trust that his presence is with us and that he is at work in the worst that we can imagine. Just watch and look for the Lord, and I promise that he's there. Well, I just want to put out the the call to every single one of you, if you are walking this out, if you are walking with someone who is walking this out, or you yourself are involved in soul care in your church's ministry, then this is what I'm going to implore you to do. Go to Amazon.com or to MoodyBooks.org and buy several copies of this, because this should be something that you keep in hand for those who you are coming into contact with. The Lord is putting you in front of someone else that may be walking through this, and this is a wonderful resource. I also encourage you to follow Whitney at Whitney K. Pipkin. You're going to find her on social media, also WhitneyKPipkin.com. Sorry, that's like a tongue twister there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, but Whitney, I really do appreciate this, and I'm so grateful for your following God's leading in writing this and sharing, A, your own story through this, uh, but truly glorifying that journey of you and your mother and your family, because Christ was the one who was there, he's gone before you, Mm -hmm. and he will, and he will continue to be before you all through the rest of your days. Yes, thank you so much, Steve. So grateful. 
thank you for being with us this morning. Hey, I do want to encourage you, Amazon.com, or you're going to go to moodybooks.org and grab yourself some copies of We Shall All Be Changed, How Facing Death with Loved Ones Helps to Transform Us. It is going to give you some clear insight and bring you some comfort in the middle of your own grief. From Whitney K. Pipkin, I want you to go and get it right now. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.